Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Larry Kay and I'm a recovered compulsive reader. Today is Wednesday, August 24th, 2016. And today we're reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and we are currently on page 94, the first paragraph, which starts outlining the program of action. Today's readers are, we have Cheryl S. on the 12 steps. We have Nadia B. reading the 12 Traditions and the readers of the text. We have Deb W. and Rachel N. M. The reference number for yesterday, which was Tuesday, August 23rd, is 9021. That's 9021. The OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive reading. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not, <clears throat> excuse me, OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors, and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that the people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence in the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I'll now ask, uh, for Cheryl S. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Cheryl. Good morning, Larry. Thank you so much. Uh, can you hear me? I can. Great. Cheryl S. from Maryland, I'm grateful today, recovered um, compulsive overeater. One, the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, may direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God. As we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters, and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much for allowing me to do service. Thank you, Cheryl. Let me now ask uh, Nadia B. to read traditions, the 12 traditions. Nadia? Good morning, Larry. Good morning, everyone. This is Nadia B., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Connecticut. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 
Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought to never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. These problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OAS as such ought to never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought to never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Yes. Thank you, Nadia. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive over years only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we're going to resume our, our, our big book study, and we are currently on page 94, the, uh, the first paragraph, which starts, Outline the Program of Action. And I'm going to ask uh, Deb W. to get us uh, started here. Deb, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Can you hear me well? I can, Deb. You bet. Okay, great. Uh, this is Deb W. Recovered in Oklahoma. Okay, so outline the program of action, explaining how you made a self-appraisal, how you straightened out your past, and why you are now endeavoring to be helpful to him. It is important for him to realize that your attempt to pass this on to him plays a vital part in your own recovery. Actually, he may be helping you more than you're helping him. Make it plain he is under no obligation to you that you hope only that he will try to help other alcoholics when he escapes his own difficulties suggest how important it is that he place 
the welfare of other people ahead of his own. Make it clear that he is not under pressure, that he needn't see you again if he doesn't want to. You should not be offended if he wants to call it off, for he has helped you more than you have helped him. If your talk has been sane, quiet and full of human understanding, you have perhaps made a friend. Maybe you have disturbed him about the question of alcoholism. This is all to the good. The more hopeless he feels, the better. He will be more likely to follow your suggestions. And so I guess I, I, I started out this first paragraph. I mean, this first sentence really has three steps in it. Okay, so I'm outlining the program of action first. And then I'm explaining how I made a self-appraisal and then how I straightened out my past. Oh, and then how I'm endeavoring to be helpful to him. So there's about four different instructions there. And so outline the program of action. I probably, uh, you know, I would probably give a little of my history. So I'd probably switch that around again. If maybe this is the second uh, visit. But the first one normally is that I'm listening and then I'm sharing about my own. So that's my self-appraisal, my own history, which... I'm already qualified to do. I don't have to study for it because I, I have my own experience. And then I, I would out, it says outline the program of action. And so the program of action is, uh, to me, just briefly, is explaining the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind. And then I may uh, go to the next uh, step. The first step is the, my powerlessness. And um, that there is a power greater than me. This is the pro the program, the philosophy. And I turn my will um, to that power. And then the next thing is, you know, the inventory, my self-inventory, my appraisal. And then that someone listens in, to this appraisal. And then the uh, uh, the next one is, who do I owe an amends to? Oh, no, 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 six is I'm ready and willing to give every defect of character up. And then seven, I, I uh, say the prayer to give those and God remove what is not helpful. And then eight is the uh, amends. Nine is the making the amends. Who do I owe an amends? Then I'm making amends. And then ten is my uh, my my daily, all through the day, uh, checking uh, on, you know, where I may have hurt or harmed anyone. And 11 is reviewing my day. And 12 is turning around and helping others. So briefly, I'm going to tell them, not in detail, but briefly about how this program works. Um, and then, you know, and why? Why am I helping? Because I am helping because I that is the way that I stay in the program. You know, that is the way that I stay in the program and that I have, once I work through, through this program, I have every tool I need to turn around and help others. And that's the important thing. That's, that's our purpose is that where this part of our life is concerned, we're getting well, we're getting out of the, 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 um, the disease, 
You know, we're maintaining and we're turning around and giving it away so that we may stay. How does um, turning around giving it away help me? You know, it reminds me of, when I talk to a newcomer, it reminds me of the how they are fresh with the disease. They're fresh with the needs and the, 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 the helplessness and the powerlessness. It reminds me, it goes inside of me and, and reminds me that I may get to the point that I take things for granted, but these, these newcomers, these people who are coming to me, whether they're newcomers or not, keep it present in my head that I am not playing. This is a real disease that will be right back with me whenever. It, it allows me to give of myself. You know, I can, you know, it allows me to serve God, to be an agent of God and through my service and get out of my own um, whatever it is that day that I think is the most important thing in the world. Um, it also lets me review the uh, book, the big book. It lets me, reminds me of the recovery. It reminds me each chapter that I uh, read and studied in order to get out of this disease. It lets me, it reinforces me to continue to give this this away. And so um, I suppose with that I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks, Deb. Thank you for getting us started. So we're probably going to stay right here because it's a lot. There's a lot here. We're again, if you're just jumping on, we're on page 94. Deb, Deb just read the first uh, full paragraph, so we'll have plenty of time. So who would like to share on what was read? This is Bella. Can I share? Kim J. Duel. J. Nessa R. Okay, um, I'm sure I, Anita, okay, let me, let me tell you who I have here so far. Um, I heard Bella, heard Melissa, Kim, Nessa, Janice, Anita. There was someone in between there. Do well. Do. Thank you, do. Who else? Come on, I left somebody out. All right, we'll go with this first round. Uh, so I have Bella, do... Melissa, Kim G, Nessa. I thought I heard Janice. I met Janice. I don't know if I heard you or not, but I thought I did. And Anita. So let's go with Bella. Good morning, Bella. Good morning. Wow. Larry, you are wonderful how you got all these names. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Larry, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Wow, such a wonderful, wonderful paragraph. How you straightened out your past. Yes, this is a wonderful program that gave me the tools not to forget the past and not to ignore the past and to live with peace and in a peaceful way with the past. This is the program that gave me the opportunity to be responsible you know, yes, I can be responsible and not to stay with all those resentments uh, from my past. Yes, I have the tools by leaving the 12 steps one day at a time. I learned to take responsibility and to learn and to look what is my part in all those resentments from the past and to learn what, what was my part in those 
in those behaviors. And by leaving the 12 steps, I was, I was able to, to see that I lived according to wrong beliefs, to wrong beliefs. So thank you, God, I changed my beliefs. And I was able to see what I was wrong, when I was wrong, and how can I change it. And today, thank you, God, you know, I, I can talk about my past, not with resentment, not with anger, not with self-pity. Today, I know exactly what is my path and how I can change it now to live better and to make a better present by being connected to a higher power that I call him God that accepts me and believes in me. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. Okay, next we have Du, followed by Melissa. And if you're not Du, if you'd be kind enough to mute your phone. Du, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Vision for You. Thank you very much. Um, good morning. I'm Du, Recover Compulsive Overeater from New York. Um, this is a wonderful paragraph. I couldn't... I, missed the opportunity to share about this. And what I see here is two things. Um, one, the the role that I play as a recovered person, you know, that I get to help someone else now. And uh, it just brought up, you know, this little poem that my friend always says. She says, you cannot teach what you don't know. You cannot lead where you don't go. You cannot be what you're not. You cannot give what you ain't got. And you know, it reminds me that before I can pass this message on to anyone else, I need to get it first. And I need to go through the process myself. I need to know what that looks like. It says, you know, outline as a program of action, explaining how you've done this self-appraisal. Well, I did that, in, in, you know, in the steps. I went through step one where I made the conclusion. I went through step two, got a higher power because I'm not going to do this on my own. I went through step three. I turned it over to the higher power. I did a self-appraisal in, in step four. Um, I turned it over to someone else in step five. I made those connections. I looked at my character defects in step six. I turned it over again to higher power in step seven. And eight and nine, I did the work. I cleaned up my relationships with people. And then 10, 11, and 12, I continued to maintain those relationships with God myself and others and you know at this point in time it's saying you know now you turn your attention to another person you know and and who are these people the people that need help the people that are really in destitute the people that are really um hopeless and and how why am i addressing them because they need it just like i do they need this program just like I do. And the best part is, I'm not going to convince them. It says the greatest motivator to effectuate any change is the disease itself. The disease will bring them to their needs. And when they're at their needs, that is the best place to be. Because at that point, they'll be willing to hear what you have to say. See, if someone's not ready, I'm not going to try to convince them. This program is about offering what we have to offer. You know, being that example to them, being what we are, you know, being the replica of what that looks like to be happy, joyous, and free. And one of the things that I'll conclude with this, um, 
you know, is that when they're at this place, you know, what I want to offer to them also is out of gratitude, what can they do? They can recover and then pass this on yet to someone else. You see, that's the gratitude. That's where um, it comes back to, you know, bringing it back full circle where we keep this repetitious cycle going. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Du. Okay, we have um, Melissa next, followed by Kim. Melissa, good morning. Hi, good morning, Larry. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C. Recovered, compulsive overeater anymore. And, uh, you know, I, I outline my program of action at this point. Um, and it, for me, it kind of means I don't go um, into depth completely about what it is. Um, you know, I do say, like, I did a self-appraisal, straightened out my past. Um, but I do discuss why I'm trying hard to be helpful, and I make it clear <clears throat> that, you know, my attempt to share my recovery is the only way I can keep my recovery. Um, you know, the people that I am looking to help help me really more than I help them, and this is the truth. The more that I reach out and share my program, the stronger my program grows. Um, you know, I used to worry so much if I was doing this um, sponsor thing or this reaching out thing good enough. You know, I would feel... I'm upset if someone didn't want to continue. I would think that perhaps I wasn't doing it right. Um, you know, but the truth is that I can only share what I have, and what I have is good enough. You know, my role as a recovered person is to offer my help, whether as a sponsor or as a recovered friend or even as the first person who's letting them hear what OA is. Um, you know, I could just be the person that introduces them to our fellowship, and I might never know where that leads. Um, it could take years before anything, you know, other than that happens. You know, but I'm directed to be sane, quiet, and full of human understanding, and I'm certainly capable of that. You know, I can be sane today um, with all the insanity around me, there is so much food and diet insanity around me, and um, I'm no longer crazy. You know, I was away for the weekend, um, and I saw the insanity in full force. I was at an Amish buffet, and you need only look there to see crazy. Um, my disease I saw alive and well. There's morbidly obese people, hardly able to move, um, were all around me, piling their plates high, going back for more and more. Um, I can be quiet here. You know, I was sitting at a table with other people who may or may not have what I have, but I don't have to scream and carry on, you know. I can talk about my solution with a calm demeanor. I'm not trying to sell a product or manipulate, um, and I'm full of understanding. Yes, I understand completely. I can relate in a human-loving way, human-to-human, Um but even in this same quiet and understanding way, when given the chance, I have to emphasize the hopelessness of my disease. You know, I should not shy away from disturbing my prospect and driving home the hopelessness. You know, it's this hopelessness that can cultivate willingness. Um, that's what it's been for me. I needed to be hopeless um, before I was willing. And um, hopelessness, and then next to it, you can see the solution. Um, Thank you. With that, I'll pass. 
Thanks, Melissa. Okay, we have um, Kim next, followed by Nessa. Kim, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, everyone. I'm going to kind of use um, Melissa as a springboard to what I was going to share. So it says, maybe you have disturbed him about the question of alcoholism. This is all to the good. The more hopeless he feels, the better. He'll be more likely to follow your suggestion. Because let me tell you, step one sucks. It just sucks. You know, basically step one is that I have a body that doesn't let me eat safely, and I have a mind that convinces me it's okay to eat. You know, and I also want to get people into this chapter like, oh, I don't know how to do this. I, you know, I, I've had the spiritual awakening, yes, but how do I do it? And the wonderful thing is we don't have to figure it out. We can just follow the book. So I'm going to try to use my Jersey talk and as fast as I can just to look at what, is, what do you have to do? You have to open up the book to the first four chapters. So in the doctor's opinion, you open up that book, and it teaches us about this twofold nature of the illness, that I have an allergy, allergy which never changed, which means the food has to die, and I have a mind that will always take me back to the food. Then I bring him to Bill's story, and I get to see the progression of the illness, how it was fun and exciting for a while, but then it became necessity, and then it was only oblivion. You know, I see the progression of Bill, where he's laughing at the people jumping out of the buildings, and he's thinking, no, commit suicide, no, not now, and then he's dragging a mattress down because he's afraid he's going to jump out a window, until finally he welcomes death. Then there was a solution. I learned about who I am not. I learned about a moderate eater, a heavy eater, but then the true compulsive overeater. Do I identify in with the first two? If I do, I don't need this program. But if I'm the real alcoholic, that means I've lost the power of choice to drink. It means I'm doomed. Then I'm going to pick up over and over and over, and I start to understand that alcoholic torture that was described in the doctor's opinion. And then I go to more about alcoholism, which is not a story about people that are drunk and can't get sober. More about alcoholism teaches me why I have to come to Overeaters Anonymous. It teaches me what are the consequences of being abstinent only. And it does that through three, four stories. The man in authority who thinks that abstinence is the only answer, and after many years he can go back and eat safely and he dies. It talks about the jaywalker, the insanity, that no matter what the consequences are, he's going to jump in front of that truck. No matter what the consequences are, I'm going to take that first bite. And then we have Jim versus Fred. Jim has the worst day, Fred has the best day, and they're still going to eat. And I'm taught that I can't make my life circumstances such a way that I'm not going to want to eat. That no matter what's going to happen, I'm going to eat. What these chapters teach me is the desperation and the hopelessness. And at that point, I'm hopefully going to be teachable enough to do the rest of the steps. And that desperation and that hopelessness and that disturbing is not only my job as a compulsive overeater, recovered one to a sponsee, but it's the greatest gift that I can offer them. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Kim. Okay, we have Nessa followed by Anita. Nessa, good morning. Hi, good morning. This is Nessa R., um, recovered compulsive overeater, gratefully back in Toronto, Canada. Uh, make it plain that he's under no obligation to you. Um, but, but you hope only that he will try that he will try to help other alcoholics. Um, yeah, I so many times I thanked my sponsor, and every single time that I thanked her, she said, "Don't thank me, thank God, and pass it on." And you know, I like probably uh, most other people was very nervous and reluctant to sponsor because 
you know, oh, I don't know the big book as, as well as most of the people on this line, and I don't have as much experience, and what if I cannot guide them properly, and what if I don't know the answers to their questions, etc. And, you know, by sponsoring, not only I have learned um, this big book in, in a way that I couldn't have learned otherwise, but my own program has been enhanced. The way I, I, I work the steps and the way I teach other people to work the steps has has improved and grown in ways that I couldn't have imagined. And I have to remember one thing, that my job here is not to make other people recover. I'm not here to be, to be a hero. Um, people will recover or not recover uh, because of what they do or don't do, not because of me. Uh, my only job here is to plant the seed of hopelessness. And like my sponsor did with me, I spend a great deal of time with my sponsees um, on step one. Because unless I understand the mind and body connection, the, 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 uh, the true nature of this disease, the allergy of the body, the obsession of the mind, you know, the fact that my body can't take it and my mind can't leave it alone, they will not come to grasp the need for a higher power. And if they don't grasp the need for a higher power, then there is no point in outlining the program of action, which is the opening sentence in this paragraph. And so, you know, that takes the pressure off of, spon of sponsoring. You know, I plant the seed of hopelessness by, by showing them through my own experience that I tried everything my mind could think of and nothing worked for me. You know, I show them through my own experience that my way of doing things is not working for me. And, and, and hopefully, by doing so, they will come to that realization themselves that what they're doing is not working, that they have tried everything they could possibly think of, and nothing has worked, and so what is left? What is left by admitting the hopelessness, admitting the powerlessness, admitting the need for a higher power, and then they will come to embrace the program of action. And if they don't, well, you know, at least I have kept my own sobriety, which is um, another point that this, that this uh, paragraph brings up. But I have planted a seed, and maybe, maybe it will germinate in the future. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Nessa. Okay, we have Anita, and then we'll open it up to more sharing. Anita, good morning. Good morning, Larry. This is Anita, Anita J. Um, recovered out in Massachusetts. Gratefully recovered. I can't ever forget that word. The sentence that really has um, hit, hit me over and over since I started listening to Vision and got recovered is actually he may be helping you more than you're helping him. And... Um, I've noticed in the people I've worked with who did reach the recovered stage, but what happened? Something fell away, and it's that they never really did this. Actually, he may be helping you more than you're helping him. And, you know, if I don't pass it on, my selfishness and self-centeredness is just lurking there working it's it's still there uh it, i keep that at bay because when i get into that mode that's when all kinds of calamitous things are going to happen to me i don't know if that's such a word um 
that that has been, you know, and I'm not taking it personally when people that I thought had, you know, like you just send off your little little chick, good luck, <laughs> call me, you know, keep in touch. I hope I've made a friend. As it said, maybe you made a friend. Maybe I made a friend. Uh, and when you hear that something's happened, um, then remember that you planted a seed. They felt that. They tasted recovery. You know, from the moment I tasted this, I don't want to give it up. And I think about Bill. If I, I'm not going to get discouraged because with him, way in the beginning, he's telling Lois, I, I, um, I've talked to so many people, dragged them off the street, went and nothing, nobody has stayed sober. And she goes, that's not true. You are sober. And you know, that is what's happened for me. It's a reminder over and over that I have a fatal malady. And uh, it's, it seems that my only best idea in my whole life to keep the demons, whatever they are when you're three, or the demons at 40 or whatever age, uh, was to stuff them down there. And that is not the way to live. That's not life. Uh, that's existing. And, you know, whenever you find it, please, um, and I'm saying please to me too, please Anita, you don't want to give this up, do you? And um, that's all I want to say today, that it's this, this program is helping me. When I help others, I get better. With that, I pass. Thank you, Anita. Okay, just if, if you're just jumping on the line, um, we're on page 94, reading the first full paragraph. A lot there. So who else would like to share on what was read? Tina S. Sephora S. Okay, I got Tina, Devora. Who else? Julie I. Julie. Anybody else? Leah M. And Leah. Okay. Well, we'll uh, we have Tina, Devora, Julie, and Leah. Tina, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Uh, thanks for your service. Tina S. Compulsive Eater, anorexic in uh, Florida. Well, I heard some really good stuff this morning. Glad to be on the line. You know, I like that it says to outline the program of action. And if anybody's like me, you know, today, um, you know, when I was in my disease, I wasn't a talker. Today, I can really be a talker. And that's not what this is about. This is to, you know, summarize, you know, what I did so that I'm where I'm at and how I live one day at a time free from the obsession of uh, food addiction and what a gift that is and uh, and how it is certainly, certainly important for me to help others. You know, it is imperative that we work with others. And it tells me that in the big book, you know, and, you know, that's something that I have to do and that, you know, hopefully if someone wants what I have and they're willing to do what I'm doing, then, you know, then they too can have this, this thing that we're giving away free here. You know, for fun and for free. I remember uh, uh, someone saying that in a meeting. This is for fun and for free. Well, you know, I wasn't. But there was no fun for me in the in the uh, disease of food addiction for sure. And um, and you know, and I'm here to pass this on to someone else if they care to have it. You know, so I'm not here to to force this down your throat. You know, I'm not here to sell this. I liked what was shared. I'm not here to sell this. This is a program of retraction, not promotion. And um, and I have a way out that works today. 
you know, I had tried many, many ways uh, prior to coming to Overeaters Anonymous that did not work and just took me down further. And I'm, I'm grateful that that happened for me. So I got to come to a place that, you know, I was beaten down to a state of reasonableness, you know, that I'm willing to do what it takes today, today, you know, one day at a time to get what this is offering me. And, um, and I, I just love being online, love everybody shares. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina. Okay, we have Devorah followed by Julie. Devorah, good morning. Hi, it's actually Tepora. That's okay. It's fine. Everyone always gets mixed up. Mixed up. Oh, sorry about um, that. Oh, totally. Yeah, it's fine. So this is Tepora S. from Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, thank God, recovered. Um, so the line that I like is, it is important for him to realize that your attempt to pass this on to him plays a vital part in your own recovery. And later I also like it how it says, uh, make it clear that he is not under pressure, that he needn't see you again if he doesn't want to. And you should not be offended if he wants to call it off, for he has helped you more than you have helped him. So to me, what this speaks to me is another opportunity to just work on humility. It keeps your ego in check because I'm not controlling the outcome of their recovery. My job is just to spread the message to others and to try to be useful to others. And I'm just getting outside of my selfish self. I'm trying to get outside of myself and give to them in any way I can and spread the message in any way I can. And whether they recover or not, that's not up to us. You know, we're just messengers. Um, And sometimes once we reach recovery, we could fall into the trap of, you know, feeling invincible feeling, oh, wow, that's it, I'm recovered, and we forget a little bit where we started from and that, you know, we too were lost at a certain point and we needed so much compassion and so much patience. And our sponsors also gave us that time and that love and that compassion. They gave us that time of day. And, uh, you know, in our part, we yeah, we have to be patient and we have to be loving and we can't be controlling because um, sometimes, yeah, we could fall into a trap of either you're doing this, it's my way or the highway, Or let me just try to ram that message through your head so you can get it. Yeah, you are an addict. You are compulsive, you know. It's not up to us. We just have to be a symbol of recovery. And whether they take that message or not, that's that's for them. It's their journey. And, um, you know, that's what I wanted to say. I pass. Thank you so much. Uh, We have Julie followed by Leah. Julie, good morning. Thank you so much for your service. Thank you, everyone who shared on the line. Such a powerful meeting, and I I so appreciate the focus on recovery and the solution. My name is Julie, and I'm recovering from compulsive eating, and and the passage that was read and everything that has been shared for me is so powerful and so important that I remember that I am carrying the message, not the person, that I'm doing this for me, for my recovery, and that a successful 12-step call is when I stay abstinent, when I stay in recovery, and when I am reminded of the power of the disease and the power of this program, and that there is a solution, and that for me, the solution is found in working and living these 12 steps and experiencing the personality change sufficient to recover from compulsive eating, because compulsive eating had its grasp on me more than anything I ever knew, um, and can very easily do that again if I don't remember <laughs> where I've come from, and doing 12-step work reminds me where I've come from um, and the common solution. So that's what I wanted to share again. Thank you, everyone, for being here, and I will go ahead and mute. Thank you, Julie. Okay, next we have Leah. Leah, good morning. Good 
Leah, we can't hear you. Thank you, Larry. Thanks very much. If your talk has been sane, quiet, and full of human understanding, you have perhaps made a friend. Maybe you have disturbed him about the question of alcoholism. This is all to the good. You know, <laughs> I don't know about your experience. I know I came into Overeaters Anonymous in 1982. My disease continued to progress for the next five years into further madness and mayhem of compulsive overeating. Um, I didn't understand the exact nature of my illness. I did not understand. Um, and, you know, when I got to the point where I was sick and tired of being sick and tired, I could not stand the pain and the suffering of compulsive overeating anymore. Um, I checked myself into a facility, and someone in whom the problem had been solved cracked open this text and brought uh, this text to life for me on, based on their own experience. They carried a message of depth and weight. They were properly armed with facts about themselves. And because of that experience that they had, they won the entire confidence uh, of me over. They had recovered and they had been given the power to help another person, and that was me. And, you know, through the text, through the chapters, I did become more disturbed. The hopelessness, the fact that I was cornered, screwed by this illness, um, became more and more clear. You know, I knew I had been a compulsive overeater for a long time, but I did not understand the grave nature of my illness. I did not understand the depths to which this addiction would drag me by my hair. Um, I didn't understand the progression. I didn't understand the exact nature of my problem. Therefore, I did not realize the seriousness of my condition and the urgency and the necessity for the solution for these steps, for this program of action, whereas in step one, two, and three, three I was going to be repositioned, meaning there is a power and I'm not it. Steps four through nine were going to realign me with myself through the inventory process of four through nine. We were going to examine my core beliefs, my ideas, my emotions, my attitudes, and cast them aside so that I could begin to be dominated by new ideas, emotions, and attitudes. And then, of course, in 10, I was going to have a lifetime occupation of this examination and correction of my attitudes, ideas, and emotions. And step 11, I was going to continue to uh, develop and strengthen that relationship with my higher power. And, of course, in step 12, we are given, we are recovered, and we have been given the power to help another person. So, you know, I knew for a long time that uh, – Compulsive overeating and food was a symptom of the problem of compulsive overeating, just a symptom. I knew everything there was about compulsive overeating. I'm just wrapping up here. I had a wide variety of experience with that. What I didn't know prior to January 19, 1987, is how does Leah live in Leah? and stay abstinent and recovered. That was where the 12 steps came in. I needed to learn that through another who had experienced that process. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to jump in and comment on what we read? This is Janice. I'd like to jump in. Okay, Janice, anybody else? All right, maybe I'll jump in after Janice, if that's okay. Um, Janice, good morning. Larry, it's well, Amy good. E. I'll jump in. 
Okay, how about Janice, Amy, and then I'll, if there's time, I'll, I'll pop in there. Janice, good morning. Well, good morning to you, Larry. This is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Yes, let me, um, <clears throat> let me just say something here. Um, first of all, when I talk to a newcomer, you know, uh, somebody coming back or whatever, you know, I talk about, you know what, I've tried to find the results of my problem in every method that you could think of. I mean, I don't think there's one method. You know, I even went to, uh, to you know, my husband's a dentist to, to wire my teeth. But I couldn't stand that because I didn't, you know, after he took the braces off, I would eat. So, you know, I got results from this program of action. It, you know, and I just explained that's what I've wanted all my life is to have the results. What are the results to my problem that I wouldn't have that thinking? I wouldn't have that obsession of always, when am I going to get the next bite? Where am I going to get it? How am I going to feel better? You know, I wanted to run away from myself. Well, I got the results through the action of these 12 steps. You know, I had a spiritual awakening. I started to wake up from my anesthesia. You know, it's like waking up from, from after surgery. And these are the steps that brought me to, to, the, to that point. And that's the message that I carry that, yeah, I had a problem of mind and body. But, you know, I knew I was powerless. You know, I, I, I exhausted all kinds of methods. So I, I, I surrendered. I, I knew there was nothing else to do because I exhausted everything. There's nothing that my mind told me that I could do. So I tried this. And I tried it, and I tried it, and I still didn't give up. But finally, you know, I, I said, okay, I'm going to try it. I'm, to, I'm going to see if I can get a solution to my problem, which was lack of power. I could not control it anymore. And so, I, you know, I, I was willing to, to, to believe that there was a power. And that's what the steps did for me. It showed me. It came through that power to give me this spiritual awakening, the greatest promise that any, anybody could give anybody. And, you know, because I did this work, God chose me like he chose Bill and Bob. And, you know, they, I'm doing and we're doing in, in 2016 the same thing that these pioneers did when they got recovered. So, I mean, it worked for them. So I'm going to, because I never tried it before, so I'm going to try this method. And, you know, it did work for me. And it is the message of having had a spiritual awakening through these prior 11, 11 steps. This is what happened to me, you know, and it can happen to you. And, and, and my higher power is still picking people to use, like myself, which is a gift, to use to give it to other people. That's why he gave it to me. I can't just hold it because, you know, I'm a very selfish person. There's many a days that I don't want to, you know, maybe answer a call or whatever, but I do it because I want to keep this wonderful promise, this wonderful gift of recovery. So that's why I do it. And when God removed, when my higher power removed the obsession, <laughs> then I have to carry this message, like, like people said, out of gratitude. Action is gratitude. You know, we can say, oh, yeah, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. But if you don't do anything about it and show it, you know, it'll be taken away. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Larry. Everyone. Thank you, Janice. Okay, Amy, you're next. Good morning, Amy. Uh, good morning, Larry. Can you hear me? I can. Okay, great. Thanks. 
uh, Amy E., uh, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Rural Ohio. Um, it is important for him to realize that your attempt to pass this on to him plays a vital part in your own recovery. Make it plain he is under no obligation to you that you hope only that he will try to help other alcoholics when he escapes his own difficulties. Uh, that really jumps out at me today because sometimes I, I, when I hear, you know, make, you can't pass on something that you don't have, sometimes I use that as a reason to um, continue being a taker rather than a giver, as my sponsor puts it. Um, oh, I, I, I can't sponsor. I have nothing to give. I can't help out here at the vision for you. There's no role for me. Yeah, I, I, I need help. Um, and the key to getting outside of my own problems and out of self and the key to solving that gnawing anxiety between meals of when the next meal is coming and how am I going to survive and uh, white-knuckle abstinence is service to others. And um, I, I was struck by a speaker tape, an AA speaker tape I've been listening to, where um, uh, Charlie C. was outlining how in his first, his first few weeks of sobriety, he was immediately put to work by his sponsor, showing up an hour early at meetings, going to a meeting a day, making outreach calls, putting away the chairs, making coffee, um, being useful, um, getting down on his knees in the morning and praying and thanking God, you know, asking God for help in the morning, thanking God at night. And um, uh, Charlie kept saying to his sponsor, when am I going to be working the steps? And he said, what, what part of the first three steps do you think you're not working by doing this service? He was being of service to the wider, uh, to the wider group. Um, how can I do that today? Because it's, it's a conundrum, right? I, I get the more that I give. And I do have something to give, even a small little bit. Um, I can give of my time. I can be helpful in other ways. Uh, and, and to get outside of myself. I know we disparage the tools a lot sometimes, but that's the purpose of the tools, to reach out, get outside of myself, and ask somebody else how they're doing and see if I can be useful to them, even if it's just to brighten their day. Um, I appreciate this message. I appreciate it. all of you. I pass. Thanks so much, Amy. Well, I'm going to jump in, and maybe maybe it's a wrap after this here. Um, Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Chicago. You know, it talks about, you know, when I, when I was growing up, um, I realized pretty early on, don't ask me how, I didn't have some great epiphany, but I realized I can make people feel better. <laughs> I can make them laugh sometimes through my goofy, you know, silliness. Um, I don't know. I could just, you know, maybe, maybe you can relate to that, you know, and I, and I like making people happy. I get something out of it. I get a little charge out of it. No doubt about it. There's some ego there. Um, and then, you know, in this program, it talks, you know, we read here about the fact that, um, you know, maybe you've disturbed him. I don't like to disturb people. You know, that doesn't feel very good. Now, I, I will tell you today, I don't mind disturbing. If someone is dying of this disease, this disease is killing them, you know, and I, I, I don't make that determination. Um, sometimes, 
you know, about the best thing I can do in being of maximum service to my higher power is to disturb them. Disturb them not in some sort of manipulative fashion, but disturb them based on my own bitter experience. See, I needed to be disturbed. It wasn't when I came here, it wasn't the person that, that built me up and made me feel better about coping with this crappy, crappy disease. That was not what, what leveraged and moved me to um, being willing to take the actions required to get this result. What it was was people through their own experience that disturbed me. The book certainly disturbed me. I mean, I'd rather camp out and, you know, in those parts and hear, you know, about the, you know, the, the restoration and just how great things are now. You know, that's good. That offers some hope to people. Absolutely. But, but for me to be leveraged to action, I needed to be disturbed enough, enough. And who knows what it is for each of us, but I needed to be disturbed enough to be willing to do anything within my power to, um, to allow God to begin to work in my life. And that's what happened. So now when I talk to people, you know, I, um, you know, they tell me their story. And, and there are people that are dying in this disease. There's someone on the line. I guarantee you, you know who you are. You're dying. This disease is going to kill you. There's two doors. Door number one is more disease. For me, more disease was the, was the food for sure. But it was liposuction surgery. It was another hopeless diet. It was busting out windshields. It was chewing people up. See, I could use this tongue and I could chew you up and spit it out. You know, but that, that's not who I am today by the grace of God. That's what the disease was. Door number two was the practical program of action and recovery. There is no door number three. Door number three is death. Either the, the last breath death, <laughs> the last breath death, you know, we're all going to die of that one, right? Or it's, or it's worse. The death that we have while we're alive, that walking zombie death. You're, you know who you are. See, I know who you are too because I was you. So anyways, with that, I'll pass. And I'm going to close up the meeting. Let me just extend a thanks to everyone who has shared. Um, uh, and and uh, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We're now going to close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Rachel, I don't know, are you out there, Rachel? Can you read 164? Thank you, Rachel. <laughs> uh, thank you, everyone, for the good meeting and my name is rachel nm i'm a grateful recovered compulsive overeater and anorexic our book is meant to be suggestive only we realize we know only a little god will constantly disclose more to you and to us ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick the answers will come if your own house is in order but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.